to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the second time that Damien and Stacy from Ontario, Canada have been on the podcast. And Stacy is associated and started fedsforfreedom.ca, which again is an advocacy group for federal employees who, again, don't want to take the jabs, among countless other things. They're fighting for their rights and what rights they have left. Um, I don't know what else to describe here in the introduction other than other than to simply say that I hope that you share this particular episode uh, wherever you can with whoever you can. This is, it's heartbreaking and it's war and we are in this war together and we have to fight the same enemy and the enemy is identifying themselves on a constant basis and they are everywhere in every country. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say, but I would highly encourage that you give this a listen. Um, take your time with it, sympathize and empathize with what it is that they're saying because they're having a go of it here and we're all having a go of it. And again, there's just a lot going on right now. Um, make sure and check out again, fedsforfreedom.ca and check the description below for any necessary links that Stacy tosses my way. And uh, make sure and check them out again. And if you can throw them a couple of dollars here and there, it would be greatly appreciated. So with that said, again, here is Damien and Stacy, and the latest from Canada. Well, I'll start off with Ontario. So, yeah, we have the vaccine passport. And miraculously, as soon as Omicron showed up, it suddenly stopped being effective. And uh, there's talk, heavy, heavy talk, of uh, another lockdown because the quote-unquote case numbers are rising at uh, an exponential rate, according to the government. So the rumor is it's unconfirmed, so really important to mention. The rumor is that the next lockdown up here is going to be for only unvaccinated people. And actually in another province in um, New Brunswick, they, the New Brunswick government already passed it, so grocery stores and everyone else can ask for a vaccine passport for any potential customer. So there's that going on, that level of discrimination. Uh, what else has gone on? What else has gone on, Stace? Do you have anything? Oh, many things. Uh, no, I can just talk about my situation, but I don't want to cut you off. Okay, so... Uh, in Ontario, that's pretty much it for Ontario, I'd say. Unless there's something I'm forgetting that will probably come to me later. Uh, you, you mentioned... Well, oh, I can talk about... What's that, sorry? No, I was, I was just going to say, you mentioned something to me about acquiring ivermectin and how you were able to do that. Yeah, okay, yeah. I was, I was about to jump into that, yeah. So, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, it's been quite a while and the weeks are kind of just folding together, but... Uh, Stacy and I, we went over to a friend's house for, it was, um, it was for my birthday, um, dinner. It was just a little get together, nothing crazy, just a few other people. But we were the only two people there who were unvaccinated, right? So fast forward to two days later on the Sunday, and I started getting a little tickle in my throat. Now I haven't been, obviously I haven't been going anywhere public. I haven't been doing anything like that. So the only correlation was I was thinking, okay, well, I must have picked it up from them. Well, they are all fully vaccinated people, and the two of them had just come back from the States. Now, I don't 
think it came from the states, but the, the fully vaccinated part is what's kind of important. And then a couple days later, Stacy started feeling sick too. So, and I was getting worse and worse and worse. Like it was progressively getting worse and worse. And I've had chest infections before, and I was having that same feeling of, of shortness of breath. My chest felt tight. It felt heavy. Uh, I was really, really tired. I was running a fever. So now we didn't go get tested because there's no need. There's no point. I mean, what does it do except tell me I have COVID? And I don't trust the test, but that's something else. Right. <laughs> no, the tests are faulty. So our yeah. friend... Oh, yeah, they're false positives left and right, so I figured, I and, you know, God forbid it comes back positive and then I'm on some government list. Oh, this guy was positive. We make sure rounds come up first when the camp's open. Um, anyways, a friend of ours happened to be staying with us for just for a couple of days, and she happens to have horses. And she happens to know where to get the um horse version of ivermectin so i legitimately did take the horse like the veterinarian version of ivermectin it was a paste it comes in a tube like a syringe and uh, i just i put it on a cracker and i ate it and i did i figured out the proper dosage i took the ivermectin and whatever it was that i had i felt 85 percent better the next day like 12 hours later it was crazy how effective it was, whether it was a flu, pneumonia, cold, COVID, whatever it was, it was incredibly effective. And I found my new miracle freaking drug for any time I'm feeling under the weather because it worked. It was unbelievable. How ivermectin is not available over the counter like Advil is beyond me. You know what? I mean, that, that's absolutely awesome. That's an awesome story. And I got, and I'm not I'm trying to interrupt you because I want you to keep going, but you can actually acquire the the horse paste of ivermectin on Amazon. Yeah, that's yeah. I believe that. I believe that. And yeah, it, I got. Th I, mean, I have three tubes of it for it. for about ninety bucks. Yeah, and I mean, I feel more comfortable uh, buying it off Amazon in the horse version rather than what has now started happening in, in Canada, where there are literally members of the public peddling drugs, i.e. ivermectin, out of suitca or suitcases in the parking lot of hospitals because people are dying in the ICUs and they still refuse to medicate them with drugs and therapies that are working for people. So now you're legitimately getting drug dealers in parking lots for over-the-counter drugs that should be available to us all. So either you go to the horse store and get horse drugs or you go to the peddler on the street. I don't know what one feels better, but I know both versions work and save lives <laughs> when dosed properly. That's right. There you go. Yeah. It was, it was absolutely amazing. And it really, so I'm the type of person that I, in order to believe something to every, like to, you know, with every fiber of my being, I almost need to see it or experience it firsthand. And the ivermectin stuff, as much as I believed it after having used it, I'm a hundred percent, I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. I'm sold on it. If, I mean, if it was a new car, I would have bought it. 
like it was it was just so incredibly effective like i was you saw my attitude the next day like i, I was over the moon uh impressed with how effective it was and no side effects or anything like that it was just perfect yeah you were ba- you were back in action yeah very quickly yeah yeah stacy did you take some too uh, so, yeah, Damien was a lot worse off than I was um, with whatever this may have been. So he took two doses and I just took a dose. And I was just feeling a little bit of the scratch that Damien was feeling. And I, I knew I was getting whatever he was getting, but I was just a couple days behind. So I took one to be safe and it every symptom of mine was gone almost within 24 hours. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I am not a scientist. I am not a chemist. I will repeat myself on this podcast. I am a graphic designer. <laughs> so uh, all I can say is I don't think ivermectin cures, like, mono and things like that. So I can only assume is what we had is some sort of version of a viral COVID, a variant. Of yeah, the, variant. Of well, the common cold is a coronavirus. Well, exactly. So it's that's it, what it I mean. Could have been any one of those two things. It could have been legitimate COVID. Hell, it could have been Omicron. Yeah, yeah. It could have been. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, but it worked. So that that was a, a little bit eventful. Um, do you have anything else to mention? Do you want me to go into my story? Well, Stacy's got quite a long story. So I, if if uh, if you're okay with me handing it over to her and she can just basically tell the story and then I'll come back in at the end when we can talk about some more um, not as exclusive things to uh, her situation and the other thing I just need to do this little disclaimer because I get fired up uh, I and Feds for Freedom isn't an organization I'm technically a member of my opinions are not representative of Feds for Freedom my opinions are my own and that is it so, with that being said, uh, here's Stacey. All right. So, when we last talked, you know, the policy had just come down, and uh, it was all kind of new. So, we're, we're well in the crux of it now. Um, I, I guess I'll start from the beginning, just so everyone knows. The policy came out on October 6th for most of the federal government in Canada. I work, or I guess worked for the federal government of Canada. Um, From that date, from October 6th through to the 29th, you had to attest and tell your employer your private medical information, whether you were vaccinated, whether you're not vaccinated, whether you're unwilling to become vaccinated, and whether you're looking for an accommodation. Uh, If you did not do that by the 29th, then you were allotted two more weeks to take their indoctrination training and be brainwashed by them yet again. After those two weeks are done, if you didn't like what you read or your accommodation got denied, um, you were put immediately on administrative leave without pay. Now, I could go on for hours about this situation, but I'll try and keep it summed up. Take your time. Okay. A, in normal times, administrative leave without pay is non-existent. There is no, in no normal world can a federal public servant in Canada be placed on administrative leave without pay. 
leave without pay is only to be initiated by the employee for things like a sabbatical year, um, taking care of a dying loved one for the year, you know, taking a year off to go travel the world, things like that. Never in the normal times has that been okay. So that's one part of the problem. The first part of the problem, and I'll, I'm going to give you three very important words here that I believe are going to, in the long run, completely put a hole in this entire policy. One, privacy. Two, informed consent. And three, discrimination. First things first, the attestation and asking me to provide private medical information to my employer when that's literally the only thing I have left that's private because I have a security clearance. They know everything about me from high school to the day I was hired except for my medical information. That's illegal. That privacy in Canada is tort law, so we can sue if anyone steps over a line and asks us about our private information and then threatens to take something away from us if we do not disclose that information. So that's problem number one that I see them having. And they're trying to use and enact this policy on uh, an authority that I don't believe is correct. Because my medical rights come from a provincial level and my privacy rights come up from a provincial level, but my obviously my employment rights because I'm federal come from a federal level. So there's some issues there. Um, discrimination. This whole policy is about discrimination and control. I uh, you're either discriminated against because they know your private medical information. You're discriminated against because you've asked for a medical accommodation. So now they're discriminating against your medical um, situation. Or they're discriminating against you based on your religious beliefs. And let me tell you, this attestation process is bad through and through. The stories I have been told, now I run a group of 5,000 federal public servants, give or take a couple hundred here or there, um, and the stories I've been told throughout my members are disgusting. People are being assessed on their request of religious accommodations based on the wrong religion because the people assessing don't know the difference between the two religions, and then they're being denied that accommodation, even though it's being assessed on the incorrect merits, um, people are requesting and having medical accommodations signed from their physicians, and then the government is turning around and attacking those specific physicians for signing the medical uh, waiver and taking the doctor's license away. And then making the federal public servant go find another doctor, which is very hard to do in Canada, so they can get another note written, and hopefully that doctor will write it, even though the last doctor's license got taken away. So you can see what's going on here. It's a long train of disgusting uh, discrimination and privacy issues. Now, as for the consent and the attestation process... Like I said before, my privacy and my medical rights come from a provincial level because, as you may know, uh, medical is, I'll say in quotations, free in Canada, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is not 
completely true. But anyways, because my medical rights and uh, care come from a provincial level, then I'm set to go get my hazardous substance from my provincial uh, clinics or doctors. And with that comes informed consent. Now, if I am to walk into, and I believe it's the same in America after, you know, the war and the Nuremberg Code was set up, uh, if I'm to walk in to get a medical treatment in Ontario, and I ask, what are the side effects, and what are the risks of taking this, and they tell me, and I look at them and say, you know what, actually, I can't provide informed consent for this medical treatment. I, I can't do this. And then I leave. Well, I tell my employer this, and that's still not good enough. They're still placing me on leave without pay because apparently they're stripping me of my provincial medical rights and privacy rights. So that was the whole attestation process and you know, the list goes on of the problems that it's causing because there are crown corporations in Canada that don't fall under the Treasury Board such as the Canada Postal Service and I believe the Canadian Revenue Agency stands on its own, things like that. So their policies are all happening with the same outcome, the same process, but different dates for the timeline. So all these federal workers are scrambling at different times, <laughs> trying to figure this all out, you know, trying not to go on leave without pay, trying to just keep a livelihood, uh, you know, considering Christmas is coming up. And it's becoming very hard to do. So uh, what I told my group to do was to, A, deplete their um, sick leave first and foremost. So as soon as you get the policy, go get a doctor's note from your doctor and go on sick leave. Now, uh, federal public service employees in Canada bank hours for sick leave. So uh, every day you work, you get a little bit of time banked for sick. Um, myself, I've been with the service for three years and I had about six and a half weeks of sick leave banked up after three years. So I was able to get a doctor's note for stress leave and I went on sick leave immediately. Um, now, I was on sick leave for six and a half weeks and then I had to decide whether I was going to try and get an extended sick leave note and go into government, um, it's called employment insurance benefits. So if I get an extended sick note from a doctor uh, longer than the benefits I have in my bank at work, I can go on uh, government-funded benefits as long as I have a doctor's note. So I was debating on doing that and hours to go with it, sorry. So sorry, just to, just to interject briefly. The reason Stacy has to go on a sick note is because, or on sick leave, technically, is because they are not putting, like, they're saying you're on leave without pay, but they're taking away your ability and your your, your eligibility for employment insurance. Oh, I haven't got to that point yet. So, Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's exactly where I was going next. So I had, I had the decision to make when I left work. Uh, a, I went on sick leave right away because I had no idea what I wanted to do and how I was going to combat the situation. And I hadn't slept for weeks. You know, it's a little stressful thinking about losing your job or your health. Which one is more important? Obviously, I've chosen my health, as most logical people have done. Um, 
So I chose the sick leave. Now, uh, the reason why I chose the sick leave, and I'm explaining all of this, is because our government has done something else. Our government is committing tax fraud on top of all of this. Now, Canadians, from the day they get their job, their first job, through to, you know, the day they retire, they pay into unemployment insurance like I was talking about. I think it's like the Social Security program. No, it's, I, oh, Social yes, in America. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think so. I think that's comparable. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, we pay into this our whole lives. And, you know, when we think we're being uh, laid off or put in some weird situation, mostly union workers like Damien, who is a plumber, would use it every time he was laid off from a job. Things like that. So our government now is giving us a new policy and telling us to shut up and comply. Don't ask any questions. Yeah. Or you're being taken or you're being put on leave without pay. And we're going to not allow you to uh, be able to qualify for employment insurance benefits. So they went behind our backs. And in the span of time that Trudeau threatened us in August, and when they actually enacted the policy in October, they changed the employment insurance uh, qualifications. And what they're doing to all federal employees they're laying off is they're dismissing us. And um, when you're dismissed and they've changed the language to say if your employee is not following your COVID policy, put them under this code and they will not get EI. If your employer's done this for the COVID policy, put them under this code and they will not get EI. They're literally teaching other government departments how to screw over Canadians, essentially. Um, so that's pretty sad to see considering I've paid into that benefit my entire life and now I'm just non-eligible for it because of some illegal policy that's come out that has not been passed to our parla parliament. I'll take a break there. <laughs> so from there, I was on sick leave and I thought about how, how can I stop this? How can I make waves? How can I get answers? What the hell can I do to stop this and not go on leave without pay? So I, I silly enough, being the good Canadian citizen that I am, thought, well, maybe I should look at the laws and see if there's any law that can protect me from this. So I read through the Canadian Labor Code which I fall under as a federal employee. There's a section in there called 128, and it's called the right to refuse. So this section is in our labor code because it's your right to refuse dangerous and unsafe work. Now, I'm part of my health and safety committee at work. I have been part of it since the day I walked in the door three years ago because I care about health and safety legitimately. Um, and in the right to refuse, right, you can walk into work and say you get your finger cut off by a guard not being on a saw or, you know, there's some dangerous substances that spilled and we need to do a cleanup of hazardous substances, things like that. So I thought, because I know my health and safety program and the Canadian Labor Code inside and out, I'm going to invoke my right to refuse dangerous and unsafe work based on my employer mandating me to take a hazardous substance in my body in order for the sole purpose of me to perform my job duties. 
So I think, oh yeah, I got them. I got them by the short and curlies. This is a health and safety right. I'm asking questions about the health and safety of this policy. It was enacted for our health and safety. And Canada is one of those countries, like we have a, Canada's very proud about how progressive it is and in health and safety and all this stuff. And when we do our women's training and all that stuff, they, 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 it's almost like brainwashing. They drive it into your head. You have the right to refuse unsafe work. Yeah. And they just say it over and over again. And then Stacy goes to do it. And well, well, no, not that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I wrote a, uh, and I'll share this with you if you want, Sean, so people, your members can read it. Um, I wrote a two-page letter, or sorry, it was a four-page letter about invoking my right to refuse unsafe work and how I think they're putting my personal health at risk um, for unnecessary, unreasonable measures. And uh, all of the questions I kind of had surrounding that, it had two pages of sources with evidence, so they knew I wasn't just making this up, and I'm not just in my own head being fearful. Um, very well written, very well drafted, like all the sources. It was very professionally done, yeah. and the, the um, it, it seems the answer they got, I mean, it seemed, it was like Stacy could have written it. Yeah. yeah, so what happens in the right to refuse investigation is the process is you invoke your right. If you're, your employer is supposed to immediately investigate with you, uh, it's called a level one investigation with your direct supervisor. And the department I'm in actually has its own version of the form. And so we committed, or we completed that first level one. And then after the level one investigation, my supervisor is supposed to make his decision whether he agrees with me that there is a danger in the workplace or if there's no danger in the workplace. From that point on, I'm allowed to decide whether I continue to refuse my right to uh, refuse unsafe and dangerous work. If I continue to refuse the dangerous and unsafe work, it goes to level two. Level two is supposed to be my health and safety committee, uh, and two representatives voted from my health and safety committee. Again, complete an investigation with me, and then tell me, uh, they tell the employer, and the employer then comes back to me and states, do they agree with me? Do they not agree with me? From that point, I need to decide, do I agree with my employer's outcome or do I not? If I do not, then it goes to level three, which is supposed to be the Ministry of Labor. So, how it worked with my circumstance was I walked in professionally. I said, listen, I've got some concerns about the safety of this hazardous product you're asking me to use at work, and I want answers before I decide whether I'm going to take it or not. They acted like, well, first they told me they they would take it into consideration that I wanted to refuse my right to dangerous work, and I said, no, I'm demanding you complete this investigation with me because it is my right as an employee. So they sent me home, told me I was going to be put on leave without pay that day. I came home. Then I got a phone call an hour later, went back to work. They completed the level one investigation. They acted like they were taking my concerns legitimately and seriously. Uh, Like just uh, politicians, just just great actors. And I mean, you've heard it when Biden or 
when Obama or Trudeau talk, like they always act and they talk in this tone of like they genuinely care yeah. about every single individual Canadian or American. And, and they were acting like that during the investigation. Yeah. However, I leave work, I come home, they immediately send me an email after the investigation. Don't even look through any of my sources, any of my letter. Nope, there's no danger at work. Okay. So I said, can I please see the level one investigation, which in Canada, it's my right to know when it comes to anything, health and safety, they refuse to give me the level one investigation. So I say, okay, I, I have to raise it to level two because you're not even telling me what you found or how you found that there's no danger. So the level two investigation comes up and I think, crap. These guys aren't taking the letter I wrote seriously, and I guess they can't functionally read through a two-page letter and pull out the questions I'm asking on their own, so why don't I make it easier on them and I'll pull out 34 specific questions with the evidence stemming from my original letter, just so they know the exact answers I'm looking for. So... I do so. I go into, uh, they, sorry, they held a health and safety committee, committee, wow, committee meeting, <laughs> apparently, and voted on the two members who were going to investigate with me. Again, it's my right to know. I asked for those meeting minutes. They have yet to divulge them to me. I believe that the meeting that they had was not a legitimate meeting. So I, they tried to bully and steamroll me into the level two investigation the very next day, and I was not prepared for it. So I managed to, jo like, call, say, "Hey, I need union representative," almost in a jokingly way, because they have yet to help me that, thus far with this entire process, even though that's what they're there for. Um, but this time they came through. The president of the union uh, in all of Canada said, "Yeah." help Stacey out, get her a lawyer, you know, and then my local was like, yeah, okay, I can attend with you. So they were able to round themselves up and I got an extra week between my level one and my level two. I prepared my 34 questions. I got union representation. I walked in. We went through all of my questions. They refused to answer any of them on site. I requested a workplace inspection which should have been done in the level one, but I did not know that because they did not show me the level one investigation form. So, um, they refused, yeah, they refused the workplace assessment. Now, in my workplace, I am operational. I am supposed to be at work every day, uh, Monday to Friday. I am necessary for a very big, necessary department in Canada and I am literally the only person who can make what I make in my shop so, so she's a pretty important <laughs> she's an integral cog in the government machine yes exactly Amazing. so uh, it, in that department uh, we had to go back to work right away in March 2020 mm -hmm. so essentially March 2020 hit uh, the person who's in charge of my department says yo something crazy going on, y'all got to go home, and then all of a sudden, we're right back at work because we're needed. Anyways, to get us all right back at work safely, 
the government had to perform a business resumption plan, or a BRP is what they call it, to ensure that all of the measures that could be taken to protect its employees against COVID-19 have been taken and are in place. So I figured, well, what a great investigation or assessment to do with my right to refuse, considering I'm stating I think it's an unreasonable measure to make me uh, participate in in order to perform my job duties. Aren't there any other measures out there that could protect me at my workplace? Like the measures that have been in place for the past 19 months have been doing because there has been no outbreaks at my workplace for 19 months. And I have been there the entire time with little to no mask, little to no hand sanitizer, and so on. Even with their lack of due diligence, no issues. That's besides the point. So I request this assessment to be done. Uh, I leave the, you know, asking them, let me know when we can schedule this. I leave, go home. Immediately I get an email, level two investigation complete. Uh, wait, I'm still waiting to complete a workplace assessment with you guys so I can ensure there are no other measures that could be put in place prior to this one. No, no, no. That has nothing to do with your right to refuse investigation, Stacey. What are you talking about? Um, sir, <laughs> these measures were put in place to protect us from COVID-19, just like the substance is supposed to do. I think those two directly relate to each other. No, no, no. You don't get the workplace assessment. Just shut up and comply, young lady, and go home. So <laughs> now we're here. This literally was just yesterday that this happened. My attestation deadline has come and gone. I requested a temporary accommodation based on some personal health issues. I wanted some uh, allergy testing to be completed because I have anaphylactic allergies. They refused me. They stated that if I did not fill out their attestation process that I have asked questions about, regarding the privacy issues that I cannot even ask for an accommodation. So my response to them is, so I don't have medical or, or religious rights unless I give up my privacy rights. Like they're just making no sense. And now here I sit on leave without pay for the first day since all of this has happened. Uh, it's like, it's pretty fucked up, eh? <laughs> Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's putting it mildly. Wow. I mean, wow. And, and this isn't this we haven't taken into account, and this is something that's that's been affecting both of us quite quite heavily. Um, it's the mental health side of this thing. Yeah. Uh, our mental health. I I can't speak to Stacy, but I can say mine especially has been deteriorating rapidly. It's 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 just. <laughs> yeah. it, it, the way everything has transpired, the way everything has gone down, the way every email has been worded, and the language the government uses, the, the hate we feel from the population walking around with no mask. It's, it's, a, it, it's just this, like a goddamn tsunami of, of shit that just keeps hitting us on the daily, like neither of us have had a good night's sleep in months. Months. I mean, I'll go to bed and I'll take, there was a, a time where I would take, I don't know, seven or eight Benadryl 
and a fistful of melatonin to try to sleep. I would pass out by 10 o'clock at night, 10.30 at night. I'd still be wide awake by 2.33 in the morning. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. And this, it's like, that's something not enough people are talking about is the, the mental health side of this thing, because everyone is, is talking about the corruption and, and this and that, and it becomes this echo chamber. And yeah, we know it's corrupt. We know they're breaking laws. We know all this, but also our mental health is deteriorating to the point where I can't even structure proper sentences. So that is something that the general public needs to be talking about, but they aren't. Yeah, and to double up, double down, I guess, on that statement, um, our EAP at work, which is our um, mental health counseling, has been told to all federal employees, if anyone mentions COVID, don't, don't talk to them about it, say you can't counsel them on that matter. Uh, and then I still get my chain of command sending me the information on how to call them. And I said, listen, you sending me information about how to protect my mental health at, at this point is actually disgusting and insulting. Let's keep it to yourself. Not to mention that the department that I'm in just had a massive sexual misconduct suit filed and go through. Every person that was sexually assaulted got a mass apology from one person who didn't commit the crime across social media two days ago. All of the offenders of the crime are let go free, probably being promoted and and moved up in the ranks or whoever they are, whatever department they're in. And the victims are all just being paid off and shamed. And, you know, here's your apology, here's your money, now leave. So I said this yesterday, and I will say it every day until the day I die. When my employer sits and talks about mental health, when my employer sits and talks about health and safety and sexual harassment, they, it's a sham. It's a 100% sham, and they're doing it to look good to the public. They do not give a shit about anything and anyone's mental health, anyone's uh, crimes that have committed against them, anything. The reason why I invoked my right to refuse unsafe and dangerous work is because I knew that they would have to answer health and safety questions. They managed to conduct two levels of the investigation without answering a single health and safety question about the hazardous substance. So now I know in my heart that this is not about our health and safety and everything they're doing is bullshit. <laughs> it's, and it's it's bullshit, but the thing is, and this is where, and this is why I had to issue that little disclaimer at the beginning. So, it's quite obvious that the Canadian federal government is not observing or following any of the laws that they're breaking, nor do they seem to care about it, right? I mean, based on this conversation, I'm pretty sure your viewers can piece those pieces of information together and come to that conclusion. Uh, the problem is, we are trying to fight this in the legal way. We are trying to do this above board when, when our opponent is not playing by the rules. So my, what I want to do is a little bit different than what Feds for Freedom is doing, but, and that's fine because I'm not a federal employee, so I can't do that. But if, it, if this was me, we need to start getting in their faces and making them uncomfortable. We need to start showing up where they work where they, and, and making it uncomfortable because it, it's quite obvious that they don't care, so we need to make them care. 
and making them care about our, quite frankly, our freedom and our life, because I'm looking at this from the position of, you're trying to inject me with this, which means you're trying to kill me, and I don't respond well when someone tries to kill me. So we need to fight this the way they're fighting it, make them uncomfortable, because, and just to say one thing that's kind of, it's kind of going backwards a little bit, but because Stacey had mentioned, oh, you know, they send emails and immediately she got an email. How cowardly can these people be to send emails instead of coming to talk to you face to face like a like a proper employer should? It is disgusting just how cowardly they are behaving. It's a, they're a bunch of pussies, a lot of them. Well, and they have, they, they're too bagless to stand up for themselves, too bagless to stand up for their own personal beliefs, and they hide behind the facade of and the illusion of, I was just following orders. It was just this. I'm just doing my job. Well, fuck your job. How's that sound? Fuck your job. It's, it, it, you're, you're doing everything the Nuremberg Code tells you you can't do. It didn't save Herman Goering from getting killed. It didn't save all those guys from getting hung. Or, or uh, I, I believe a couple of them took poison. Uh, it didn't save any of them. So do they think it's going to save them? Well, a lot of them are naive enough to think it will. Yeah, I had to serve, I had to serve three notices of liability to uh, different manager, managerial-type people in my office. And... Uh, you know, their response is, oh, you know, I'm so, I'm so sad I had to come to this. And I said, you're literally not listening to a word I'm saying to you. You're not taking any of my concerns legitimately. And you're threatening to put me on leave without pay on that day, which was the 1st of December. I got it. I got it extended till today. However, that was tooth and nail. Anyways. Really yeah, they they sit there like Damien says. Oh, I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing my job. Well, that's what pushed me over the edge because these people who are sitting in the management positions in my department should very well know what happens to people who are just doing their jobs in war crimes. So um, I had to right there serve them all with NOLs, uh, stating that I would be holding them personally liable for my wage losses so how like i said earlier how it works in canada is with privacy being tort law anyone who infringes on your privacy rights you can sue them for that so the notice of liability uh there are two different organizations in canada who have them one's action for canada and they're working with Rocco Galati, and the other one is Stand for Thee, and it's Rebecca Shepherd, and I'm not sure who their legal um, well, they person might, is. They might have been infiltrated. Possibly. So, um, yes, these notices of liabilities were written by these groups, and then uh, literally it just explains how person to person, it, you can't serve them to the to the actual employer as a whole, but I can serve it directly to the person who's infringing on my rights. So I had to serve it directly to three people. And in Ontario, I can take them to civil claims court and sue them each for up to $35,000 for infringing on uh, many of my rights, the most important being my privacy rights. At this point, it's like, just, just pick one. Yes. Like, just pick a right out of a hat. Chances are they violated it. And, they're vi and they keep on violating it. And th so there's two things here. One is, 
if back in May 1st, 2020, the Liberals banned a whole bunch of guns here, and a lot of that, how they did that, has been mirrored with how they're enacting this policy. And I'm sitting back thinking, oh, if only the public outcry was there in May of 2020, maybe this shit could have been avoided. Because it's it's a that gun ban was a litmus test of how the population would react to authoritarian measures being enacted by a democratically elected government. That is wholeheartedly what I believe, because when you look at the language they use and the the policies, how they're worded, how they're how they're written, it's the same thing. It's just changed vaccine passport for assault rifle. Yeah. It's the same policy yeah. because there's no regard for law. There's no regard for democracy. There's no regard for debate in parliament. How these mandates and these rules have been slid in under the table with no debate in parliament and how no, like the, the, the minority of Canadian citizens are awake and realize this, but the vast majority of them are so goddamn naive. It's, it's maddening. And then you try and wake them up, and you're somehow the crazy one. Can, can I, you know, I posted a thing, and, and Stacy posted a thing, and we lost friends over this. Stacy posted a thing, uh, a link, and it was uh, talking about vaccinating your children, something to that effect. And the video was, that was the FIFA players collapsing, wasn't it? No, it was a miscarriage. Oh, it was miscarriages. That's what it was. It was It was uh, in Ontario talking about the number of miscarriages on average. Yeah, one of our Ontario hospitals had 34 miscarriages in like a week or something. It, anyways, it was like quadruple the regular rate of oh, miscarriages. More than that. Yeah. No, it so exponential. Exponential. And then there was a hospital in Vancouver who had the same issue happening. Now, apparently, someone fact-checked the Vancouver hospital situation, and that was um, misinformation. However, the main story about the Waterloo Hospital was correct, and actually one of our MPs um, had called his friend who worked at the hospital, got confirmation, posted it on his page. You know, so that, that was double-checked through and through and one of my friends came at me saying I was shaming people I was spreading misinformation and I said good I hope I'm shaming you that's exactly what I'm trying to do so that you do not put this poison in your children's arms I said if you're feeling shame it's probably because deep down inside you are resonating with something that is truthful for you that you've done something wrong and you should be feeling shameful mm -hmm. so now you need to stop before you you've given up your rights you've already done that but don't do it for your children think about it if they can't make their own decisions and you know i uh i did lose a couple friends but that's okay i've gained a lot at friends for freedom <laughs> for sure it's yeah and that's the truth losing friends over this and then especially so i obviously so stacy and i live together and i am privy to the the hours or days of research that she's put into it. I'm well aware of the late, late, late nights up doing this shit. And to have someone who we regarded as a good friend say she's spreading misinformation, um, that was it for me. Uh, that guy can go fuck himself because it just shows how out of touch of, with reality he is. And I, I, I mean, I expected to lose friends. I lost friends, point of view, when Trump 
got elected because I was exceptionally and I still am very pro-Trump. And, you know, from a Canadian, people are always like, why do you why do you care about American politics? Well, because what happens down there does generally affect us up here. So if I can, I mean, anyways, I don't need to get into American politics, but we uh, we lost a, a fair few or I lost a fair few friends when Trump was campaigning and I expected it to happen this time around. I was kind of shocked with who it was because we did regard him as a good friend. Yes. Like it was, he was yeah. a, a good friend, a close friend. And uh, I guess it just goes to show the, you don't really know someone until you ask them if they're vaccinated, I guess. <laughs> and uh, same thing with uh, jobs. I mean, I, so I started my own plumbing company and I had a contract lined up to, so in Ontario, we have the 401 highway. It's one of the biggest highways in North America or busiest highways in North America. And there are these stations all along the uh, 401. They're called on routes. And it's essentially, you know, you can pull off, you can go to the washroom, you can get food. It's like a truck stop. And I had the maintenance contract lined up for a bunch of the on routes along the 401. Like it was mine. That would have been a huge contract monetarily for a, such a new business. Had the deal worked out, came down to the last question Are you vaccinated? Nope. Well, then this won't work. Okay, great. So now, all the years and years of experience and qualifications I have in my trade mean absolutely, excuse me, nothing because I don't have a fake medical product injected into my body. Like, it's, it's, it's so surreal. How can people not be driving themselves crazy thinking about this? Because it is, it's like I'm in the freaking twilight zone. Yeah. And it, it is just like that. And, the, like Damien said, the amount of hours and and work I put into this, I provide my my employer, the federal government, with this evidence that is undeniable. It's from their own site, and they still deny me even the respect to read through it. And I said this to them. I said, how sad is it that one of your safety professionals comes to you because I am a safety professional. I just rebuilt our entire health and safety program at work to be one of the best in our department by myself. So I said, when one of your safety professionals comes to you to raise safety concerns about a new policy that no one can give any answers for and you just disregard her like she's talking smack with the tinfoil hat on you know and it, it they all act like they care they all act like they give a crap but when it comes down to it they don't they don't care as soon as I walk out the door and I'm no longer face to face with these people they send me the most demeaning gaslit emails I have ever written I I recorded all of my meetings because I have legal representation and uh, they're literally emailing me back saying, well, you said this in the meeting, and I re I listened to the meeting. No, no, I didn't. So you're literally gaslighting me about what I have said about the actual situation. It's mind-blowing. So I also went ahead, and I have to file some discrimination and harassment disclosures at work now. I'm going to have to file a grievance. Uh, about them putting me on leave without pay when nowhere in any of the policies for my department it states that my employer can just arbitrarily place me on leave without pay if I don't comply with the policy. <laughs> so that's going to have to happen. And then I also blew the whistle. So in Canada, we have a, a, a whistleblower act 
Um, it is called the Public Service. Sorry, I'm going to get that wrong. The Public Public Sector Disclosure Protection Act. So that, aka the Whistleblower Act, um, you're supposed to be able to, you know, put a complaint in with this board that stands separately from all of the federal government, and you're yeah, it's funded by the federal government. Well, yes, of course. Oh. Um, and you're supposed to have it looked at. Now, when you fill out the whistleblower thing, it's like, oh, have you filled out a grievance? Have you filled out this? Have you filled out that? I have done all those things, and the problem with doing all those things, and my employer also doesn't get this, <laughs> when I ask questions and file a complaint to the privacy commissioner, well, that's a five-year queue, so I just have to sit on leave without pay for five years while I wait for the privacy commissioner to answer my privacy concerns about, yeah, and hopefully get back pay, when it's a policy my employer's enacting, and they should, they have to have the information about how it affects me as an employee, but not now. That doesn't matter now. So <laughs> I've done all these things. Now, the reason why I officially blew the whistle was because I believe, other than going to the Federal Public Sector Labor Relations Employment Board court or board, um, I believe this is the only other entity that may be able to investigate this. And the Federal Public Sector Labor Relations Employment Board may have a backlog of cases by the time we get ours filed. So that's our way forward. We've found legal representation at Feds for Freedom. Um, and I believe we've got, uh, yeah, we do have crowdfunding. I'm just confirming and uh, setting everything up with the lawyers. Uh, we've signed a retainer deal. What they're going to be doing is filing a cease and desist. With our employer, and then we're going to be filing two complaints with the Federal Public Sector Labor Relations Employment Board um, against two of the main unions. Uh, it will be a complaint against their lack of fair representation. From there, we're hoping they will start fighting for us against our employer. If not, we're going to have to file a complaint against the employer for these mandates, and then we're going to be going back and asking for, you know, back pay and damages it's, and all those good things. It's, a, it's an absolute legal nightmare. Yes, and that is because of the way the Canadian uh, laws are set up. Because I'm a federal employee, I, I fall under this federal labor board. Um, and there are two other cases that be, are being brought outside of this federal labor, sorry, three other cases that are being brought outside the board. Uh, but they're bringing the cases based on the employees being Canadian citizens and they're fighting for their human rights, which is 100% legitimate and needs to be done. But it's just a different form, if that makes sense. They're in federal court and will be in labor court. Oh, and while we're talking about rights getting trampled on, uh, they've now passed a law in Canada that's made it illegal to protest in front of medical buildings. So now we can't even protest everywhere. We are starting to feel like we are trapped. I'm not exaggerating. We are starting to feel like we are trapped. I am seriously looking at the St. Lawrence River thinking, I wonder if I could swim across and claim asylum in New York State. Because it's just absurd up here. I can't, I, I'm starting to not be able to take it anymore. It's because it's getting worse and worse and worse. The, the how ostracized we are from society is getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, 
it's it's I'm kind of at a loss for words with just I, I never thought I'm pretty sure nobody did but I never thought in my lifetime our uh, a country would that I loved would turn into this it's shocking I'm I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm at a loss for words on how to respond to what to, to everything <laughs> that you've just said here it is it, uh, it's it's heartbreaking. I I don't I don't have the words to be honest. Um, it's beyond. What awful. I will say is, re- regardless of who your president is, uh, you are lucky to be in the United States right now. Yeah, what I wouldn't give for my premier or AKA governor to have uh, more of a legal authority to be able to tell our prime minister one word or two words fuck off is what she's trying to say yeah um yeah it's and and the thing is too so a little bit of a tangent but you can you can really tell that our premiers are controlled by other people they are not um autonomous on their own making their own decisions for the province like you can tell and you can tell just like when so doug ford he's our premier like our governor in ontario and he just announced yesterday some new restrictions because we're, I guess, cases are blowing up, whatever. But you could tell in his body language that he was uncomfortable saying what he was saying. Like, he was very, very awkward. Now, Doug Ford's an awkward man to begin with. Sure. But you could tell, you could just see you could see in his eyes that he did not want to be saying what he was saying. But I also swear to you, if you remove the date from the screen, it would sound exactly like the press conference in 2020. Yeah. Same shit, different date. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, you know, we have to band together and we're in this together and this and that. Fuck off, we're not in this together. You're in your ivory tower looking down on us thinking... Oh, look at those idiots. Like, come on, man. Like, even, we're, uh, even his son-in-law is fighting against the mandate. His own, yeah. That, Doug Ford's own daughter, our premier's own daughter, goes on TikTok saying, these vaccines or these vaccines are not working. They are bad for you. Don't take them. His own daughter. This country and province is a joke. We are a joke. I don't know how Canada can be taken seriously on the global scale. I really don't. If I was the States right now, I'd be just laughing at us because we are so, like, our government, our government is so inept up here. Like, oh, it's just, oh. <laughs> yeah, I would say we're not laughing at you, but but we've always criticized your government because we, you know, you're tied to the crown. And that right there is something. Still, for it, whatever reason. Of course. Yeah, that's all. Well, it dates back to the old Revolutionary War and, and all that fun stuff. So yeah. that was part of the deal. Um, I would say this, and I, I want to just revisit one one thing here, because again, I, well, a, a couple of things. First of all, the, the bureaucratic stuff regarding politicians in general has kind of always been the same that they are chosen to be in those positions and that they're chosen to be in those positions because they're blackmailed. If they're not blackmailed, which many of them are, of course, then they're easily replaced and they're told, you're going to be replaced if you don't do what we tell you to do. So, you know, they can get on TV and look as uncomfortable as they want. They know that they're going to lose their job too. And they're not going to be hired to do anything else after that because they're going against their controller's wishes. As to what they want them to do, um, I know that that's common sense for a lot of the people listening to this, and it's common sense for us. But of course, the exact same thing happens here in the states. Almost every single politician down here is chosen, 
They're not they're not actually yeah. elected. They're they're chosen. They're they're thrust to the forefront. Um, say enough good things to get enough people to like you, and then you know it's and then it's game on after that. Um, the yeah, me- do what the Rothschilds want when you're in power. Sure, whoever pulls, the, yeah, whoever whoever it is that's pulling the strings, um, you know they're, they're really the ones in charge, and they and they go faceless and nameless uh, most of the time yeah. because they know what they're doing. Uh, regarding yeah, they get a guy semi good at pu- public speaking and put him in power to say here. Sure. You know, the, the, the I, I will t- I will tell you this. The same things are happening here in the States to a great extent, in particular with government government uh, employees and X, Y, Z. Um, I'll give you one one example. And, you know, this came out today, which was interesting. And of course, these things happen all of the time. But you, you'll have local school boards in particular, for example, the school board in the town where I live. And I'm, I'm going to make a, a federal connection here in a minute. But he'll go on the record. The superintendent will go on the record and he'll say there's a federal mandate in place for mask wearing. And we, you know, it's suggested that we follow that mandate. As it turns out, that's not true. So he doesn't have any problem lying to the public because he knows that the public won't push back or the public is is uh, it's not going to call him out for for such a lie. The exact same thing, of course, is happening in New York state. In New York state, you have their their governor who was thrown into that position because the previous governor is a criminal. He's a murderer, actually. Oh, Cuomo. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> Cuomo. right. Yeah. So she's been picked. Even Canada, he's famous. There you go. So, so she was picked to ramp up the plans because he was moving too slowly and he was compromised at that point. So his handlers pulled his card and then they said, you're out. Now we're going to put her in and she's going to do what we want to do. So what she does is she puts out a press release, just a press release, and she says Mask, masks have to be worn inside and outside of all establishments, and if they aren't, you'll be fined $1,000, either as an individual or, okay. a bus- or a business for every infraction. But there is no, um, there is no executive order. There's no executive order yep. that's been signed. There's no yep. law. There's nothing. Yep. Even even her own office has confirmed that there's no executive order, which means it's just a press release. Press releases are not law. Yes. Okay. Yes. But but that yes. but but that but that right there again is part of the problem because so many people hear it, come across their or, or they read it on their social media and they go, oh shit. Well, now we have to do this or else. And again, it's the sheep that yeah. are doing that. Yeah. It's not the real knowledgeable people who are saying, "Wait a minute, this isn't this isn't law. Executive orders aren't even laws." Um, where exactly. I where, again, where I live in Ohio, our governor is blackmailed to the bone, and even <laughs> e- 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 even though it claims to be a Republican state, it's it's far from politically speaking. But he uh, yeah. has has openly said that. There's a there's a bill that went through the state here that said, or like it is working its way through if it hasn't already, but it basically states that schools and businesses cannot force vaccinations on people in order to attend. That's what the bill that the House has proposed. He has openly stated that he will not sign that bill. So he's so yeah. he's so he's outed himself as saying he wants schools, businesses, and X Y Z to mandate and force the jabs on their employees and if the employees don't abide by that then they can they can be fired. So 
you know, it, uh, and again, the same thing in the military, the military, you know, uh, countless individuals have, have already now thousands and thousands and thousands have already left the military because they won't take the jabs. This is happening everywhere yeah. at a massive rate. And again, even in Austria, I know I'm talking about lots of different and locations here, but I'm trying to make you not. It, they, they all inter, they all intertwine. So it's, it is related. No, they all yeah, no, no doubt about it. So that, you know, you're not alone. Um, you have more people fighting with you and, and listening to what you're saying, I think, than you can ever possibly imagine. So whatever it is, do not quit. Do not give up. Do not back down and and continue to do exactly what you're doing. Um, re regarding the mental health part, and I wanted to hit on this too, uh, I do, you know, I, I do not recommend taking pills to fall asleep. Yeah. No, I, my, my, my dad and my dad and mom and Stacy, they all gave me uh, shit for doing that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. They also understood. They also understood why I did it. Sure, so it, sure. I, I know. It. No, I mean you're talking. I, well, I, I understand you're you're talking to a guy who a very long time ago uh, had serious anxiety and depression. And it was work-related. It was all work-related stuff. They were coming down on me. The bureaucracy was coming down on me. Their entire system was coming down on me. And I was learning about that corrupt system at the exact same time. So again, you're uh, yeah, you're talking to a guy who was getting two hours of sleep a night and then would have to go back to that same environment and teach school. I mean, I was remarkably yeah. unhealthy. Um, but what I can tell yeah. you is that, you know, the things that worked for me, again, just... It's going to sound juvenile to some extent, but I'm, you know, it's eating right, it's exercising, it's reading. You know, I, I recommend the high gigahertz, um, uh, you know, wavelength music kind of stuff. There's lots of it on YouTube. You know, the rain sounds and all that stuff. It sounds it sounds queer, but it but it really works, and and you know, it does it causes people again to to get off of taking something as a sleep agent, and it allows them to sleep a more sound sound night sleep, you know, uh, when so many things are going on and their minds are racing at a million miles an hour. So, yeah, you, but I, I, mean, I, I, I firmly agree with you that the business of the, uh, the mental toll that this is taking is not being discussed enough because that's part of their warfare on us. See, they want to kill yeah. us. Yes. But, sure. what, but what they also, yeah. beyond just wanting to kill us, they want us to kill ourselves. And we can't do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've got to stay alive, and we've got to we've so, got to, we've got to fight these people, and we can't do it if we're dead. You did you have my uh, my mom on the show, Paula? Yes, twice. She had, did she tell you about her ticket? Yes. Okay, so you heard about the ticket then? Okay, so we don't need to go into that. Yeah, so just what, another what, layer of oh, no doubt about it. What what will happen too is is she'll she'll shoot me emails, and then I'll say, "Can I read this email on on the air?" And she goes, "Oh yeah." hundred percent. And I'm like, sweet. And then I do. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get it out there, you know, keep updating people as to what's going on. No doubt about it. Exactly. She's been my mental rock throughout this whole entire process. But it's funny you mentioned um, that people are taking announcements as, as law, because that is one of the questions I've been asking my employer since day one of this situation that they themselves cannot even answer. So on my employer's website, um, it stated that uh, on August 13th, I'm just going to pull this up, August 13th, 2021, 
um, on specifically my employer's website, it stated that mandatory vaccination in Canada is illegal and uh, my management cannot make it legal and cannot require me to have it. Uh, it specifically says management cannot require a public servant to get a vaccine, nor is mandatory vaccination supported under Canadian law. So that was August 13th, 2021. Uh, this is October, sorry, this was November 29th. Uh, of 2021 and now my employer's website states in light of an announcement made on October 6th the government of Canada requires COVID-19 vaccinations for public servants now as you remember the last time we were on your podcast it was election time so the House of Commons was out and electioning from August 13th through to November 21st. So during the whole time that they went from stating it's illegal and cannot be mandatory to stating, well, you know, this guy made an announcement, so screw it, we're going to ask for it now. There's been no sitting house. And I shared the calendar of our house to my employer. I shared both uh, experts from their website to my employer, and they still couldn't answer any of my questions. <laughs> and it just goes to show that they're literally all just minions in this and i heard so many times oh i'm just doing my job i'm just doing my job i'm just doing my job and if i hear that one more time i will probably actually lose my mind but it's i said to every person who says that to me at work i say to them you need to stop you need to stop and you need to stand up and you need to start asking questions like I'm asking. Yeah. If you don't understand why you're doing something, then why are you doing it? You'd think you'd question your motives and your uh, your processes and your duties and ensure that you fully comprehend everything prior to carrying them out, you know, because there's there are such things as unlawful duties and orders in our country, but instead... They're just going about it like no big deal. And the lack of empathy I'm seeing from my employers is heartbreaking. Um, they they don't give a shit whatsoever. They, it's just, it's all a mirage. It really is. It's tough. Yeah. And it, it starts to... Um, eat away at your mental it, stability. It, it eats away at that, but it also, you, uh, you start to get a, I guess, a... A foggy perception of reality because when you're when you wake up every day and like our media up here is just it's horrible like our, our mainstream media is just it's blatant propaganda all of it it when is you wake up seeing these articles I, i've actually I, i've actually yeah i've seen i've seen your media uh when i was up there a couple of times and it is it is it is bad yeah like, there is no accurate reporting it's what report what the government wants you to report so when we wake up and we look at the real news and then we look at the fake news, you're still left questioning what is actually real. Like, what is real? And there's, so I really like spending time in the woods. And I've found myself lately liking spending time in the woods more and more and more because, I, you know, I can touch a tree. That tree's real. It's real. It's not an illusion. It's not something the government tells me is real but not. It's it's real. The The water is real. The rocks are real. It's real 
shit that I don't need the media to tell me, oh, you got to wear a mask. You got to put gloves on. You should sanitize this 17 times a day. Make sure you stay six and a half feet away because this new variant just jumps that little bit further. You know, like, it's just tough. It's tough, man. And I know I'm kind of, it's a very incoherent debate or argument that I'm having right now or, or discussion, but I can't help it. I just have to vent this shit. No, but um, with that being said, what was I going to say to you? Oh, uh, the media in Canada. So after we last talked, um, my Feds for Freedom put together a letter to the head of our union, and we collected about 1,200 signatures on this letter. Um, then we register mailed it to the union president. It was signed for, and we gave him a week to read through the letter and then call us up because at the end of the letter, we asked for either a Teams meeting or a Zoom meeting or some sort of video conference meeting. Anything. A face-to-face. Phone call. (laughs) Even a reply to the email saying, fuck off, anything would have been nice. We got zero. So we thought, okay, let's put some pressure on. Yeah, well, my union members aren't as uh, gung-ho as all the other freedom fighters, sadly, so not a lot of people showed up. That's okay. They showed up. We went, we stood out front of the union for three days, and... But it should be mentioned that we were driving two and a half to three hours each way to get to the union hall, so six hours of driving a day, and there were people who were local who couldn't be bothered to come out. That was a real kick in the nuts. It was. Um, so, anyways, we uh, we did that, and he didn't respond to anything. That's when we had a slanderous email sent out from the executive director of our union about our uh, group of Feds for Freedom. Uh, they called us racist, anti-Semitic, sexist. Essentially, the typical cookie-cutter... Uh, liberal who state every name in the book to discredit me and my group just because they disagree with you because we disagree with the narrative exactly so uh that that was very interesting but what transpired and what i'm getting at for this whole story is during that time the mainstream media did come and conduct some interviews with me and if you look up my name stacy Payne, or you look up feds for freedom online you'll see them uh routers actually did a really good one that was the best one. But the one that I'm wanting to talk about right now is CTV. So CTV came and did an interview. And I, the second day we brought whiteboards because we thought it would be fun to do um, the PSAC, which is our union uh, what's abbreviation. That called? abbreviation. And we thought we'd come up with different words for the letters. So we all sat down and we came up with our own new PSAC translation. So the one that the one gentleman wrote was privacy serves all Canadians. Now that doesn't sound like a very uh, epic or drive it home type or even narrative or edgy. Yeah, it's not aggressive, right? It's pretty simple. Privacy serves all Canadians. Now in the video uh, and in the interview that they do with us, when I'm standing talking to the camera, you can see there's writing on his whiteboard. But when they come and do some B-roll shots of the gentleman who is holding that sign, GTV censored the entire whiteboard 
so it looks like there was nothing written on it whatsoever, and I know there was, and I, as we you have, know... We have raw footage to show it. Yes, and... we filmed the interview, too. Yes, and as you all know, I'm a graphic designer, so I can usually pick up when things have been manipulated afterwards, and this 100% was. So it's interesting that CTV, in all that work, only censored one whiteboard that stated privacy serves all Canadians. Now, I think they did that because, as I said before, I think this whole thing is going to fall apart when it comes down to the privacy. Um, there's a process that you have to go through if you're looking to gain more information about federal employees. And I, I might be saying this wrong because I haven't dove into this section of the research fully, but I believe it's a privacy impact assessment. Yeah, and it, what, it's just a litmus test to see if you're, if if the level of violation is worth the potential reward. Correct, and is, is it going to be protected when it's taken? How is it going to be used? You know, all things that you would want to consider when diving into people's private information. Um, so we all believe that that was not done in Canada prior to this policy being enacted. We don't think they did that, which is a huge no-no when it comes to divulging your private information if they haven't even done their process properly. So we have a lot of, uh, what's that called, rods in the fire? Irons. (laughs) Irons in the the fire. fire. We have a lot of those going on right now. We're trying to poke holes in this um, at every different level. You know, we've got people... Like I said, uh, submitting privacy, commissioner complaints, human rights complaints. We have lawyers working on our case for us, submitting cease and desist and complaints to the labor board. We have, we're submitting complaints with the Whistleblower Act and I'm submitting like everything. There's a whole host of complaints (laughs) and I don't have the slightest doubt in my mind that when this is over, we don't know when it will be over, but when this is over, we will win because justice does always prevail. The good do win and we will win. But what scares the ever loving shit out of me is the time between now and when we win and just how extreme and how aggressive they will get. That is what has me concerned. And the language the government is using, there was a leaked uh, tweet from that same thing, CTV News, stating the next lockdown would be of the unvaccinated, and if you were caught outside with an illegitimate reason being unvaccinated, um, they would fine you $2,500, and then after, if it happened enough times, uh, they would then arrest you just for being outside and unvaccinated. Now, this was supposed to happen on December 15th, but what I've seen is every time an accidental leak happens, the government just bumps it by a month or two of when it'll happen. And then by then, because our population is so uh, just naive and stunned and, and narrow-minded and so wrapped up with their neighbor's new car that they've forgotten to leak things. So if that's what's going to happen, I, I genuinely do fear for my life. Because, like, how can I not? Yeah. How can I not? The quarantine hotels have opened back up. Oh, the quarantine hotels. And then I happened to discover an email that was from the chief health officer for the province I live in, or the minister of health for the province I live in, and the auditor, either the auditor general or the solicitor general, one of the two uh, for our province. And it was a letter asking 
the federal government to expedite the uh, construction of five maximum security quarantine facilities, and it wanted the apprehension and Hang on. You know what, John? I'm going to give you Stacy for a second because I'm going to find the email and read the two quotes to you. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know. That one was a little scary for sure, but this is all just hearsay at this point. It's hearsay, but also what we don't have any reason to believe it's fake. This is true. Well, you you have you you have endless and you have endless video footage of of these hotels and these camps being at these actual full blown camps being erected in not just Australia, but the UK as well. And they openly say, they're, Oh, they're already here. Well, there you go. Uh, See, yeah. with the video, there was a video of a gentleman in Northern Vancouver, um, or BC, I should say. And he pulled up to one and no word of a lie, the size of a prison right on the coast of BC and barbed wire fencing around it. I'm sorry, if this is voluntary, why are you putting barbed wire fencing around me? <laughs> and so these, these, these are the two quotes. Number one, the mandatory draft criminalization and apprehension of Canadians not fully vaccinated. That is a direct quote from this leaked letter. Number two, we are asking for the completion of five maximum security quarantine facilities across Canada to be expedited. Those are the two quotes that make me in fear for fear for my life. Number one, because we see how people behave when I, the government tells you a certain portion of the population is not good, and we see how that portion of the population gets treated. So that's number one. And number two, I know I'm Canadian, but this is why a Second Amendment is pretty goddamn important. And for any one of your viewers who is questioning the Second Amendment and why you need it, this is why. This is the reason countries like the United States, it is a right to bear arms. It's not a privilege. It's a right. And I think Americans who take that right for granted should be ashamed of themselves because there are people like me in countries not like the States that would literally give up certain body parts just to be an American. I'd make a good American. I'll wave the flag. I'll fly it out. I'll have my concealed carry. I'll be a good Yankee. I promise. I just need the opportunity to get there because <laughs> I really am not. This, this country is going downhill and it's, it's, yeah. it's going to get so much worse before it gets better. And I'd like to not have to fight for the next 35 years of my life just to get my country back to where it was. Yeah, because so apparently there's two facilities in BC, there's three in Northern Ontario, one in Manitoba, and I think there was a couple in Nova Scotia and Quebec or New Brunswick. So there are already these, in quotation, voluntary quarantine facilities you know, and why they would be maximum or minimum security, that again, that worries me a little bit considering it's voluntary, just throwing that out there. And another thing is, the way the government has spun these facilities is there for uh, at-risk people who have low income, who can't quarantine at their own home separately from their family. Yeah, this is for the benefit, yeah, of the less fortunate people but we're gonna put them as far away from the cities where they live as we possibly can we're gonna put them 20 hours into the middle of the freaking woods 
in northern Ontario. And then those homeless people, well, they can just walk up there when they're ready to quarantine, I yeah. guess. Like, it makes no sense. And everyone knows. Everyone knows. Rule number one, when you're building a prison, you build it outside of any major population center. So if anyone, if anyone escapes, they still have to endure mother nature just to get out that's like i mean when you look at russian prisons there are prisons in northern siberia that they don't even have fences because they know well if you escape you're going to die so it doesn't matter so if this if this was a an old hotel inside of a city that they retrofitted i would say okay that's a little bit more believable or one of the government buildings they're not using currently because all the employees are at home or on the yeah yeah so yeah there's that it, it stinks it stinks quite a bit, and I I really would trust gas station sushi more than anything our government says at this point in time, to be honest. It's sound advice. <laughs> wow. 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 Well, I'll tell you what, the invitation is always open. If the time comes where you need to leave, you can come here. I would love to. One hundred percent. I've already been. I've already been looking at. I've already been looking at real estate in Montana, just looking to set up a nice little humble abode somewhere in the mountains. <laughs> well, like you said, find a soft spot, work your way in, and uh, yeah, yeah, and and certainly get in touch if you if you want to. No doubt about it. Um, wow, wow. If you have anything else you'd like I to add, like, go for uh, it. Well, I just I just want to say I feel like. Both times we've been on the show, we've been all over the map, so we apologize for that. But the second thing is, both times you've been in utter astonishment of what's going on up here. <laughs> so, that's actually not really a good sign, <laughs> just well, how bad it is up here. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what, I mean, I'm I, I'm aware, but you're so involved in in the in the, the bureaucratic angles of their of their immediate pushback on you. And and what that's doing for me when I hear it is it's it's taking me personally back to a place mentally where I used to be uh, when I was going up against a couple of state departments of education, and it's a tough place for my head to go. But uh, I go back there, you know, from time to time, and again, this is a reminder of that. And I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to consistently chop at a tree, thinking you're making headway. You turn around to take a breather, you look back, and there isn't a single dent in that tree. I mean, I, yep. I, I, I fully understand it. I, I get it. But this is, this is war, and it's, and it's different because, again, yeah, much like in those situations, they want you to quit, they want you to submit, and they want you to just leave, or, again, comply. And you know that complying is not the morally or ethically sound thing to do, and complying will cause your death. So you can't you can't yeah. you can't do that either, but th- that's what makes this yeah. slightly different because they're pushing this on as many people as they possibly can, worldwide. Yep. And um, well, and people who say, and I mean, we have we have or Stacey, I should say, not so much me. I don't really have many friends. I'm kind of a polarizing personality, but that's besides the point. Um, it, it's people who say, like, they, I think some of Stacey's friends will say, "Well, you know, I got the vaccine because I, I wanted to travel or." I wanted to go out to a bar or I wanted to go out to a restaurant, this and that, or a hockey game or whatever. I'm thinking, you know, how shallow is your life? How, how shallow can your life be that that is, you're, you're willing to do this just to do that? Yeah. Like, what happened to people having real hobbies? 
Yep, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. If people haven't lost the taste for some of the old shit that they used to do in their lives, then they are, they're not just out of touch. As far as I'm concerned, they're dangerous because they don't know what's going yep. on. And a person who doesn't know what's yep. going on now, that is a dangerous human being. And again, you know, I don't know if I said it earlier when you were talking about losing friends over particular things, but if you lost them, they never were your friends. Yeah, and that's that's what I said too. I said, you know what? Anyone who is is like that, they were never our friend to begin with. And it's just it's it's something that I've known about because I I you know I've, I've lost a fair few friends in my life, but I, yeah, I've known about that. But it still it doesn't make it sting any less, you know. Well, you pick up more people along the way. I find um, I certainly have again no. talking to you guys and talking to your mom and you know a, no, a number of individuals. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. Yeah. We're, we're all in the same boat because we're all heading in the right direction. We're the ones that are heading in the right direction. Yeah. And that's the, that's the yeah. thing I think that we've got to continue to think about because we know what's going on and, uh, we got to yeah. leave, you know, we, we can't wake everybody up. And if people are going to refuse to wake up, then we got to leave them behind and we got to keep moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And if I can just say one more thing before we wrap this up, um, I just want to thank both my parents for being as uh, supportive as they've been throughout this whole venture. Um, without those two, it really, I don't think we'd be where we are now, uh, just with how supportive they've been. And, and, and it, with me, it's been the mental health side. With Stacey, it's been... Uh, I think they've helped her out with pretty much everything. Like they've just, they've been there and uh, I, I just, we both can't thank them enough. And I just wanted to say that publicly. Yeah, I agree. That's what family's for. No doubt about it. My parents are the exact yeah. same. My parents are the exact same way with me. 100%. They know exactly what I'm doing. They know that we're at war. They're completely awake. And, uh, yeah. and, and they support me in what I'm doing here a hundred percent because they know that this is something that has to be done. You have, we have to keep yeah. communicating during this time with, with lots of different people, because if we don't, um, that's when the shit hits the fan and everything caves in at the exact same time. So I agree. Yep. 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 Got to circle the wagons. That's the, that's the way it works. You're right. That's actually a really good way to say it. Circle the wagons. Um, is there any way you mentioned the crowdfunding stuff for feds for freedom is, is that still the viable website where they can, uh, they can get on and maybe pitch a few bucks your way? Yeah, I was going to, I was going to just say that to you. If anyone wants to check out like more information on my right to refuse, I actually made little mini videos of each after each interview and each day. So they're posted on feds for freedom, Instagram, Facebook, and telegram channels. Um, and then on Feds for Freedom website, there's a tab, sorry, it's fedsforfreedom.ca, and there's a tab that says uh, fundraising, and that's where they can go donate. And then for the crowdfunding for our legal battle, that's the democracyfund.ca. So that's a different link, but what I'll do is I'll email that to you, Sean, if you want. You can put it with this, the other links I'm going to send over to you. 100%. Hour. Perfect. Awesome. Wow. Perfect. Great talking Perfect. with great talking with you again. You know, sleep well, stay in touch. Uh, you know, give your mom my best as well. Again, she's welcome back anytime. You guys are welcome back anytime. You got a home here as long as you want it. Yeah. 
Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Fantastic. Great talking with you again. Take care of yourselves. Yeah, you as well. Will do. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.